Welcome back to what we've been watching. Four new movie reviews for you, films old and new. Phil, what are your two? My two this week are going to be I Love You Man, the Paul Rudd, Jason Siegel movie, comedy, and also From Russia With Love, Sean Connery's second stint as James Bond. Very good. And I will do Lawless, a strange movie starring Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf Wolf, and Tom Hardy, set in the Prohibition era of America. And also The Five-Year Engagement, another Jason Siegel movie, alongside Emily Blunt, about an engagement that keeps on getting deferred. Sounds good. Well, Laurie, do you want to start? Yeah, why not? Shall I do Lawless first? And this yeah. Will run out of way. Okay, here's Lawless. Who's like to come for me sometime? I know who you are. Oh yeah, who's that? One of them Bond Grant boys. Hmm. My daddy says you boys are the worst thing ever to hit Franklin. You tell your daddy I said hi. We got a chance to make a good stack of money here. Pure corn whiskey, it's a white light. Come on, force see you dance. I ain't dancing for you too. Hey, come on. It's impressive. I respect you, Bond Rats. You want any more of this stuff? As much as you can bring me. That's $2,000. Minus my commission. Look at you. Swanning around like you're Al Capone. They say in town you're looking for someone to help out around the place. Well, Mr. Bondrin, do I get the job? Seems you've been involved in certain illegal activities. There's a new special deputy been brought in from the city. Wants to work it out so everybody can do some business. That's all. I'm the one who's going to make your life real difficult from now on if you don't toe the line, country boy. I'm a bonder. We don't lay down for nobody. This movie is adapted from The Wettest County in the World, which is a historical novel by Matt Bondurant, and it's to do with some of his ancestors who were involved in, well, what's called the Great Franklin County Moonshine Conspiracy. Wow. Mm. It's a kind of repressive world that the film operates in where alcohol is totally off limits, but in kind of a loose way. So in some out-of-the-way towns, people make a living by brewing things in secret and selling them on the black market. And Moonshine, these, right? Yeah, exactly. And these three brothers, Jack, Forrest and Howard, uh, played respectively by Shia LaBeouf, Tom Hardy and Jason Clark. Most recent John Connor from the Terminator Genesis that everybody hated. And he was in the Planet of the Apes movie, the most recent one, wasn't he? Yeah, he seems to crop up again and again. But yeah, these three are thick as thieves. Shia LaBeouf is the younger, more idealistic one. Tom Hardy is the brutally tough one that everyone is afraid of. He's got a knuckle duster. And Jason Clarke is the more unhinged of the three. Really? All three of them have a big reputation. You don't mess with them take the money or you take the alcohol and, and just leave them to it and the film is full of that kind of stuff full of them living up to their reputation about being tough uh, but also trying to get around the dodgy black market that's evolving and you have guy pierce turning up who is the representative of a much bigger moonshining gang who want to close them down and run their own thing they want to find out where they're brewing the stuff they try to intimidate them with bigger shows of force all that kind of stuff so you get a sort of escalating underground gang war it's almost like a Wild West gangster movie, isn't it? Yeah, but set slightly later than that. And do you know what? I didn't really enjoy it. I think it is trying to say something serious. I think you're supposed to identify with these brothers who are just making a living. It's rather like the TV show Peaky Blinders, if you've seen that. And I always have a slight problem with these lawless guys who are presented as, at the end of the day, fairly nice and cuddly blokes. Heroic, sort of honourable men. 
Yeah, and as is often the way, a bit like the evil rom-com rivals trope we've identified, the way that you make these guys sympathetic is by making the other guys worse. Even some of the good guys turn out to be bad guys in disguise. And you have them doing things which are sort of nominally noble, like defending a woman from being beaten up or raped or something. Mm. Immediately makes them heroes, basically, despite the fact that they're breaking the law constantly and they're mutilating and murdering people to protect their underground brewing operations. So go figure. I think I ha- that's a big hurdle for me personally to get over because I don't like it when films just ask you to sympathise with people who are not sympathetic. Mm. And they have to do a much better job of showing you why you need to sympathise with them. Shia LaBeouf is quite good as this idealistic kid because you can tell that he hasn't ever really faced up to the grim realities of the job that he's involved in. And as they kind of get involved in different tough deals and other capers you you get to see through his eyes that he didn't realize how tough this world was that he's born into and there are some fairly nice set pieces i just think overall it's too grim for me too humorless and tom hardy for the first time i felt gave quite a bad performance the impression i've got i i think i may have i can't remember if i started watching it or i just watched the trailer and i didn't like the look of it it didn't really massively appeal to me even though i'm a big fan of uh, tom hardy and also kind of a weird fan of shia labeouf yeah the whole film seemed very stoic and very much sort of like we're real tough men who well, don't it talk. Well, it is, yeah. And I found that kind of weirdly just just dull. Yeah, and it's very portentous because of that, like as if you're supposed to see a kind of hidden meaning in all of this, as if it's a bigger metaphor for the country at large. I didn't see it. And actually, as a consequence of that, I found the overall big conflicts and big moments in the film rather underwhelming. Like, not really that much happens. Everyone's just looking out for themselves. Yeah, and the stuff that does happen is filmed and scored and shot in a way that makes it as if it's really dramatic, like the end of Saving Private Ryan or something. But it really isn't. It's just guys making alcohol. Yeah, it's just very petty. And I'm I'm particularly thinking of moments towards the end of the film, and it becomes a pretty by-the-numbers revenge piece as well. So, yeah, overall, I wasn't a big fan, and I I think I give it a C plus. And I'm really disappointed in Tom Hardy. What was it that was particularly disappointing about him? Just because you'd expect a deeper character? You know, for the first time, the criticism that's often levelled at him seemed true to me. He mumbled his way through the whole film, and he played it like it, it was a cliché. I could tell he was acting, and he wasn't really that guy. Mm, that's a, that's an interesting criticism to throw at him. There you go. What's your film, man? Uh, so I'm going to start, I think, with From Russia with love. You should remember him. This man kills for pleasure. James Bond, that notorious, amazing Dr. No secret agent is back, and half the world is out to kill him, as he fits his murderous talents against the Iron Curtain and its velvet women. Well, I'll tell you something, Coltoni. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. For me, that is. From the four corners of the world come the men and women who play a deadly, dangerous game of espionage. Do not be alarmed, my friend. We will make you as comfortable as possible. Karazno Gramsci, codename Grant. Chief executioner of Spectre. My orders are to kill you and deliver the lector. All I do, it's my business. M of British Secret Service. The woman called Rosa Klebb playing a double, double cross. Klebb. Romano, the door. Romano! Russia with love. They dance for him. They yearn for him. They die for him. So 
I'm going to be honest, the back catalogue of James Bond, I'm not that familiar with. I am, I love it. It's always on ITV3. They keep replaying it again Well, and again. they keep on playing it on t- TV and things like that. I watched this one while I was on holiday. It popped up on the TV and I thought, oh, I'll just sit down and watch it. And uh, I was watching it with my parents, actually. I was kind of intrigued. I thought, oh, from Russia with Love, is that one of the good ones? Is that one of the bad ones? I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't remember. I was trying to remember like the rules, like, oh, <laughs> if you, it's the third one, then yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, all this I sort of really, yeah. really silly rules that come up with Almost these. Almost old wives' tales. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, Sean Connery, he, he never did a bad one, whereas yeah. George Lazenby never trusts the Lazenby. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I do, I do. Anyway, so this is Sean Connery's, uh, I think, I believe, second stint as James Bond, following on from Doctor No. And I was really shocked at how boring I found this no, film. No, really? Really, really boring. Just remind us again what the plot is in this. So in this film... Well, I'm, I'm going to really struggle to tell you why, because I was so confused the whole time. I had to get my little phone out and look at Wikipedia and no, try and really. read up to where we'd got Dual to. Screening. Because I was sort of... I, I was, I was, I, the reason why I mentioned my parents at the beginning was because I was kind of, at periods in the film, I was like, do you guys know what's going on? And they were like, no, we have no idea. <laughs> we were all completely lost. Give and us I think, something, come on. So the basic plot is Ernst Blofeld's uh, number two, I think it is, has set about in motion using the fact that she used to be the head of uh, the spy organization. She has set up basically a trap for James Bond. They've set up a, one of those sort of Enigma type machines. They've engineered it so it's been stolen so that a Russian spy who thinks she's actually working for the government, she is going to be the kind of contact for James Bond and... It's all like a. It's all kind of this weirdly, crazily complicated double bluff, basically. Right. Where the English super secret service know that it's a trap, but because they're like bravado and they're they're thinking, oh, we're so much smarter than the Russians are, we're going to go for it. And then the Russians are thinking, well, we're going to catch out the secret service, and so they're having this little kind of war. Doesn't and in the in messy. the midst of all the the rubble, uh, Spectre will somehow profit, but it's never really clear who's going after who. And what's going on after what? There'll be some James Bond fans listening who'll be pulling out their hair in frustration. I'm sure they will, but I just genuinely, this I was lost. I was so lost. I didn't really understand what was going on because the way they set it up is by a lot of conversations. And you're not necessarily asserted on who who's who and which person's which because you don't meet them when they don't introduce themselves because they're spies. Now, and so I they're feel using like I need to interrupt names. you because I'm getting the confusion part of this very, very clearly. A lot of people say with the old James Bonds, they find them very comforting because they're very safe in a weird way because you sort of know he's going to succeed. He's going to meet up with some ladies. There'll be some action set pieces. There'll be some camp villains. And it's sort of a Christmassy movie. Very comforting. Did you find that at all? I would I would say there's something comforting about it, but it's almost like drinking NyQuil or something like that. Like I felt like it was just kind of like this weird haze was coming over me as I was sort of lulled into this weird sort of dream world where nothing made sense. Because it's not actively trying to confuse you. It's just drip feeding you all these little bits of information that you can't ever really piece together and you don't really know how to kind of link them up. And so, I mean, there's one character, the film opens with them sort of these special trained operatives killing what supposedly is James Bond, but then they realise is actually a sort of somebody who's made to look like James Bond. And this guy, he's sort of constantly in the film, but I didn't realise until three quarters of the way of, through the movie that he's actually helping James Bond, but in a kind of bizarre way. I thought he was just trying to kill James Bond but doing a really bad job and so maybe it was me I don't know but I was completely lost but it made me realize I think 
why Sean Connery is so highly regarded because he is by far the best thing about the film. By far. He's got so much charisma and he delivers his lines with so much confidence and he just is James Bond and you really believe he's setting out the tropes that are going to be fulfilled by actors from that point onwards. He's got an incredibly suave charm which is different from the smugness that came in with Pierce Brosnan. As much as I love Brosnan. Mm, Yeah, I, I was so shocked to think... If this is the follow-up to Doctor No, I'm amazed that this franchise lasted so long and did so well. You've got to remember the time period. This is really early, Phil. Like, this is towards the end of the 60s, isn't it? I mean, it is, but and I think you can kind of tell. I mean, I quite enjoyed the kind of campiness of the gadgets, and he's got a special suitcase, yeah. which if he slides the wrong way, then it explodes and everything Classic. like that. And you know that that's going to come into play at some point. And I think that maybe is the kind of comforting element in the sense that because James Bond has a very kind of tight, set-out sort of structure to it, not necessarily narrative, but structure... You know that if he gets a gadget in the first half, it's going to come up in the second half. And you're sort of waiting for that moment to happen when these sort of something or other incidents. I think, you know, you you were saying about the Inferno in our Super Betty Bros podcast. You found that quite good fun, even though it's been completely critically panned because it's light entertainment and you know what to expect. It's silly mystery. You know what's coming. Is that kind of what you mean here? Yeah, I think so. But I think, unfortunately, the it makes you realise how essential it is, it is to have a good sort of hook. A plot. A good plot. Yeah. Because the plot is kind of just meandering. It doesn't seem to have any... Nobody seems to be acting with any clear intentions, at least not to the viewer. And so it made it really difficult to enjoy and really to know why you were watching anything. Yeah. And it wasn't even a very long movie. So I think it's just under two hours, around two hours. But honestly, it felt like about four because I was just like, where's this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, was there any of the trademark, awful, practically institutionalised sexism from those early Bond films? Was that evident? Uh, sort of. I think S- it's some of not... it is just incredible. It's almost like a history lesson. I mean, I think the worst example of that is probably in Goldfinger, which is just unbelievable. There's one particular line that Sean Connery says. He just sort of says, "We're going to do man talk," and <laughs> tells this woman just to leave. It's unbelievable. That scene in particular, you just think, "Yeah, it's... super uncomfortable." <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a good. It's good viewing because if you all the chat about Ghostbusters and people complaining and saying, oh, women, blah, 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 you know, and defending themselves against accusation and misogyny, those people really need to watch these films because you need to see Where why there's so much passion about making sure women are treated properly. <laughs> and like this is James Bond, a, ben- a nationally beloved icon, and wow, it's awful. Mm, but anyway, not so much of it in this movie. And not that I can remember, but I, as I say, it all kind of washed over me in a bizarre haze. Okay. I'm going to give it a C, just a C. Well, I don't really know what to say to you because, I, I mean, I can't remember it at all. <laughs> uh, but, and I'm going to have to watch it again to see whether you're right. But I, I always enjoy them because they're, you know, like I said, they're sort of safe. If you had it on in the background, it would make a nice little haze. But other than that, it doesn't really give you much. Shall I move on? Yes. Okay, so my next movie is The Five Year Engagement. This engagement party is a moment to celebrate a new future, but not without first exploring a past. I think that's enough, right? I got a letter from the University of Michigan. I got a job for two years. Two years is nothing. Really? And we'll start planning the wedding again from there. <laughs> How's Michigan? Oh! oh, it's a fire hydrant! All in all, it's an adjustment. Oh. Oh. Here's our guest list. Like 600 people. I know. Maybe just we. You don't want to get in front of this train, but. 
Have you two picked a date yet? Not yet, but within the year. Congratulations, you've been promoted. You're going to be with us for a few more years. Can't wait to tell Tom. You told me that it was going to be two years. It's sort of like when you're on a treadmill and you tell yourself, I'm going to run five miles today, and now it's forever miles. When was the last time you were on a treadmill? Sorry. Yeah, so, I mean, the trailer gave away plenty of information there. This is about a couple, Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt, who get engaged. They're totally in love in their life in LA, I think it is. Jason Siegel's like a moderately successful chef whose career seems to be on the up. And Emily Blunt is just trying to make a few things work, particularly in the fields of psychology, which is, I think, what she's researching. It was a little while ago I saw it now. <laughs> uh, was it five years ago? No, no. I think this film is strange and probably ultimately a disappointment it's an odd one because it's i think the first half is very disappointing but it improves towards the end of the movie and normally if it's going to be a half and half thing it's the other way around and it disappoints you as it goes along jude and i watched it together and we nearly gave up on it at the start because yeah it's really badly acted well really yeah what's strange and I, i was thinking about this you know when we did the girl on the train and you said emily blunt basically is playing a really miserable person in that like it must have been horrible to act yeah yeah but in this film she at the beginning she has to play a happily engaged woman who's in the relationship of her life kind of thing and it opens with them kind of going on this great date and all these romantic little coincidences happen and reminiscing about how wonderful their relationship is I just didn't believe it for a second I thought she oh, was really? awful yeah she just she didn't wasn't in love with Jason Siegel at all do you think there was just complete lack of chemistry total complete and utter lack of chemistry and the only chemistry that they do succeed with is their antagonistic chemistry so maybe they just didn't get on it's possible yeah as as their relationship sort of starts wearing at the seams because it's a five-year engagement that's the whole point in the movie i believe that a little bit more i believe the tension and the arguments and the compromises and even the resolution i i sort of believed a lot more as well is it a fun one only because of chris pratt who plays oh he pops up yeah he's everywhere man before he was like a big deal though it's perhaps only just ever so slightly beforehand yeah he plays jason siegel's best friend who's kind of a bit of an idiot like he's got a very loud mouth he makes terribly crude and unnecessary comments but he's also quite charming and has got a good heart to the point where he and emily blunt's character's sister have a sort they sort of hit it off a little bit but that little subplot i saw coming a mile away did you like that subplot or no yeah i did quite like that subplot and emily blunt's character's sister is played by alison brie are you familiar with her is she on community I'm not sure about that. She certainly has done a lot of TV work. And actually, the thing I recognised her from, after a little bit of, you know, memory jostling, was her her ITV drama called Dr. Thorne, which is essentially a sort of period drama. And she plays an American noble lady. And I thought at the time, I thought, well, she's quite charismatic. I wonder who she is. I did not see, expect to see her popping up here. She's really funny in this movie. She plays a really over-the-top caricature sort of person. But a lot of laughs come from their relationship, Chris Pratt and her rather than Emily Blunt and Jason Siegel. And I think it definitely plays to some of his sort of interests. I think he's often in films that are generally about people hitting lows in relationships, but then sort of working through things together and discovering that what's really important is compromise and kindness. Like forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, or uh, I Love You Man as well. Which I'm going to talk about. Are you really? Oh, is that your film this time? Yeah, it is. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, goodness me. It's almost as if we're recording this section on a different day. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's okay. It's not bad watching, especially if, you know, you're a couple and you just want a fairly easy movie to watch together. It's not great. There weren't any standout scenes for me. I chuckled a bit. I was disappointed by the beginning, but it's okay. Reese Ephens is good. He plays a bit of a smoothie creep type. Mm, he's, he's quite creepy, I think. 
Do you think he is generally? Mm, the more he, I've seen of him. He's not creepy in this, but his character is a little bit sort of annoyingly in, insidious, I think is the right word. It's insidious, insidious and assiduous. Oh, let's just leave it there. Insidious is like a plant, isn't it? <laughs> no, come on, let, that's deciduous. This is going terribly wrong. Uh, yeah, so for me, probably it gets a B minus. B minus, okay, that's higher than I was expecting. Honestly, I've had lots of bad things about that movie. Oh, really? Mm, so I'm, I'm kind of relieved that it's not as bad as I thought. It's not atrocious, but it is average. What's mm. your film, man? My next film is I Love You, Man. Will you marry me? Yes! Peter already booked the place we went for that long weekend. So romantic. So romantic. She doesn't know she's on speakerphone. Wow. Marry him. Lock that tongue down, girl. So you're not gonna have a best man? Um, here's the thing, Zoe. Peter's always been a girlfriend guy. All his dude friends just fell by the wayside. Why is it weird that I had girlfriends? Nothing. We're just saying you never really had a best friend is all. Well, who's your best friend? Your brother, Robbie. What's up? He's about the coolest guy I know. So what do I do? How do I meet friends? If you see a cool-looking guy, strike up a conversation and ask him on a mandate. Okay, you know what I mean? No. Casual lunch or after-work drinks. You're not taking these boys to see The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God, I love that movie. No, I won't. I'm Peter Clavin. I'm the realtor. Sydney Fife. Hey, check out these two. That guy needs to fart. He does seem to be clenching. Watch the leg. Boom. He farted in my open house. He sure did. I'm thinking it might be a little bit small. Totally, and it smells like fart. Hey, Sydney. I could be in Venice by five. I could do that. It's a mandate. This is a mandate. So what do you guys do for seven straight hours? Ah! Yeah, Pete. So is he your best man? It's way too early to tell. Sweet, sweet hanging. So I Love You Man stars Jason Segel again and mm -hmm. also yep. Paul Rudd and Rashida Jones. Oh yeah, from Angie Tribeca. Have you watched that TV show? Yeah, bizarre. She's also in Parks and Recreation. The Office uh, as well, I think. And she was in The Office as well. So she's had a couple of stints on TV and uh, a couple of movie roles as well. I quite like her. Yeah, she's she's got a lot of charisma. She's very charming. I think she's the daughter of some famous musician. Quincy Jones, yeah, yeah. He's producer, yeah. Ah, okay. Strange Link. So in this film, the uh, basic plot is uh, Paul Rudd is about to marry Rashida Jones. He's proposed to her. They, they have a great relationship. Paul Rudd seems to be the ideal man. He's very sweet, very caring but then she is starting to get a bit worried and all of her girlfriends are getting her worried about it is the fact that he doesn't really seem to have any male friends at all he's always mm. been a bit of a, a friend to the ladies there's a really good scene in that film where he pops in to a girl's night and he's made them all like milkshakes or something, hasn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, hey yeah. girls, <laughs> hey girls, I made this. And that's the scene where he overhears them talking about the fact that he hasn't got any male friends and how weird that is. And so Paul Rudd thinks, I love this woman. I don't want her to feel weird about the fact that I haven't got a male friend. I haven't got a best man for the wedding. So he decides to go and basically find a best man for his wedding. And that leads to the perils of trying to make friends as a man. And it's, it's very funny, actually. I think the film is really good when he's doing that. I think it identifies something unique about men. Do you and... think it does? Because I was just going to say, I mean, most guys listening will immediately recognise the cringe factor there. It's like, I've got to go out and make a friend. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm guys... sure women understand that as well. I think, yeah, exactly. And I think it is relatable as a woman. But I think guys in particular will enjoy that sort of bizarreness of trying to make friends especially when you're older yeah. and like how how do you make a friend nobody tells you how to make friends Paul Rudd is the perfect guy for that role exactly because he, he's he's relatable and nice and you feel like there's no reason why he shouldn't have friends but he just hasn't and yet you believe that he's kind of he does it well he pitches it well and this leads to him kind of going on man dates under the supervision of his uh, his brother played by Andy Samberg oh yeah and uh, some of those dates are atrocious 
and some of them actually do become dates inadvertently uh, and it just highlights all the sort of weirdness of male friendships and and how difficult it is to kind of be open and honest with somebody else new um, and it's very funny I, I love that part of the movie but eventually he uh, settles on Jason Siegel, this sort of bizarre, charismatic and slightly... Uh, he's a bit of a drifter, isn't he? He's kind of eccentric as well. He's got his bizarre quirks and he seems to be uh, weirdly confident in himself and his choices. He seems like a bit almost like a life guru who hasn't written any books. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and, and he proceeds... They sort of struck a, strike up a friendship a lot about Rush, the band Rush. Yeah. This, this goes well, but eventually it starts causing a bit of tension between Paul Rudd and his is soon to be wife Rashida Jones. I I really enjoy this movie, but I can't. I'm I'm struggling to find a, a that reason why. I do like the the sort of opening half of the movie with him going on these sort of man dates, trying to find a friend. I think that's quite fun and well observed. Um, and I really really actually enjoyed the the couple, the 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 relationship between Paul Rudd and Rashida Jones. I find it so refreshing to have such a nice relationship. Quite positive, isn't depicted it? Depicted on screen, like they they like spending time with each other. They get on well. They're very caring and they care what the other person thinks. Um, I, one, of, one scene in particular that I really love is when Peter, I think it is, that's the name of Paul Rudd's character, is telling his uh, fiance about Rush and about slapping the bass. Oh, yeah, that's and great. I think it's just brilliantly done because it's such a silly idea for a, mo- a movie scene where he's pretending to play the bass and he's like, I'm slapping the bass. This is how I play the bass. And it's just, it's so honestly silly and believable as what men are a bit like and their their wives or fiancés just kind of look at them and like, this what guy's you nuts. Doing? Yeah. And I think that's really nice and genuine and it feels authentic. Unfortunately, I think the film starts to get a bit messy and a bit confusing when the friendship between Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd is solidified. Yeah, I agree. That's when the film starts taking a turn because... Actually, I think Jason Siegel's a bit weird. I don't really want to be his well, friend. Well, the whole exactly the whole film gets a bit weird, almost a bit creepy in places. I think. Yeah, and his character, I don't think is. I think it's what the writer thinks is a really cool guy. But I think he's a bit. I I think he's a bit weird and a bit uncomfortable. And actually, I wouldn't necessarily want to be his friend. So they, they do do that deliberately because that's part of the third act, isn't it? Yeah, and so that causes a conflict, and that's what they're kind of trying to resolve. But I think it's an unusual film because it depicts the challenges of male friendship. I would imagine he speaks to a lot of blokes, especially guys who are now family men, maybe. Yeah. I think one of my favourite scenes that kind of really exemplifies the film is Paul Rudd trying to call Jason Siegel for the first time and say, do you want to do something? Yeah, yeah. And he practices it and then he says stupid stuff and he gets it wrong. And it's so funny. They obviously play on the fact that it kind of is a bit like you're dating somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's about friendship and I think it's a unique film. I can't think of another film that really depicts male friendship a bit like this. So good grade then? Yeah, I think I'm going to overall, I think I'm going to give it a B plus. It, it, the third act, the kind of the, when the friendship is solidified, I think it's when the film starts losing its way because the premise is really dealt with in the first half of the film. And I think the premise is really good and the characters are well done and well acted. Maybe the story not so good though. Yeah, I think okay. it doesn't know where to go and where to end up. Well, there we go. Those are four films for you. Yeah, quite a bizarre mix with some links. Yeah, sort of random links that we certainly didn't prepare ahead of time. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. think about that next time. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for listening and downloading. Uh, stay in touch. We're going to have another one coming out next week. And we've got a special guest next week. Yes, exciting. Yeah. That'll be great. So let us know whether you agree with our reviews or disagree. Phil and I love 
it when people agree with us. And I love it us. when people disagree with Phil personally <laughs> and agree with me. But there you go. Get in touch on superbellybros at gmail.com and at superbellybros on Twitter. And I wanted to flag up that we had a tweet from Alistair who was listening and he said, do you guys ever take requests for the four films that you cover? The answer to that is yes. Maybe not all four, <laughs> but um, if you've got films you'd love us to watch uh, and tell you what we think or films that we've already seen and you just want our opinions, then let us know. Yeah, we happily do that. So do let us know. And also check out the Super Bailey Bros podcast. Yeah, we're, the thing we're that assuming, started it all. The thing is, we're assuming quite a lot of people will be coming from that podcast uh, to listen to this one. But if you have just stumbled across what we've been watching, do check it out, Super Bailey Bros in Movie Land, which is uh, movie reviews, movie features, and a bit more fun, isn't it? You bet it is, Phil. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, speak to you again next week. Cheers, bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to What We've Been Watching, four movie reviews, films old and new, Laurie and Phil, here you go, <laughs> there you go. The Super Bailey Bros are going to be... so rubbish, I don't want to do that like that. <laughs> <laughs>